Well, Merry Christmas to every one of you. I know that Christmas can be difficult for many people, and it's a lonely time for some. I pray that this broadcast is a comfort and a peace to you, and that the joy and the peace of the Incarnation, the reason for this time of the year, becomes evident and real to you on a whole new level. And for many of you, this is probably the coldest Christmas that you've experienced in a long time. So stay safe and warm and bundled up. And I pray that you find unexpected moments of God's miracle working power show up for you during this time of the year. You know, it's it's possible to just focus on so many other things that you don't stop to notice what's happening all around you. When it comes to the working and the moving of the Holy Spirit of God, I think about the people in Bethlehem the night that Jesus was born. Uh, what all people were doing that night that to them seemed so important that they were focused on, and yet the greatest moment in human history was happening just outside of their door, and most never even noticed that it took place. And I would say that the incarnation has never really stopped. Take a time, a moment today to, to stop everything and just notice the working of the Lord around you. Notice the peace of the Lord as it rests upon you. Notice the healing power of God that's available to you. And take time to turn your attention and affection toward the things of the Lord. And I promise it'll change the way you see and do life. Well, today, I've invited my wife, Tracy, to share from a devotional that she wrote a couple of years ago called Journey into the Heart of Christmas. I've asked her to read some selected readings, and I think this will be a kind of a time of heartwarming nostalgia for you, as it is for both of us. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Oh, holy night, consecrated to God sacred and righteous, set apart. Have you felt this, known this? Several years ago, when my father-in-law was nearing the end of his life, we spent Christmas in his home in Ruthton, Minnesota, where we could easily drive to Brookings, South Dakota to visit him in the nursing home. The 46-mile drive past snow-covered fields was a comforting journey. To me, snow is a reminder of a clean slate, a promise of new life to come. That daily drive took us near the farm where Henry had been born, and also we passed another town where he grew up on a farm. The drive to the nursing home was like moving through a timeline of sorts, moving from the beginning of life to the end of life. Along the timeline, endless moments of history spoke loudly in the silence as we rolled through Henry's old stomping grounds. Daily visits to the nursing home consisted of trying to convince him to eat healthy foods. He was only interested in dessert. Watching the birds in the birdcage and chatting with lonely people in the front lounge while being amused by staff members' continual attempts to catch Miss Donna, who attempted an escape multiple times per day. Somehow, laughter was found in that place. Henry, once the life of the party, sat quietly but with contentment as he wore a slight grin on his face. On Christmas Eve, we pulled away from the nursing home to make the long drive back to Ruthton. That Christmas Eve was far different from a lifetime of magical nights at my mamma's house as her grandchildren anticipated Santa's arrival. Life changes. 
it shifts. Driving past frozen fields offered a peaceful backdrop for nostalgic thoughts. Just after the sun had set, we came through the tiny town of Tyler, Minnesota. Oh look, the Danabode Lutheran Church is having a Christmas Eve service, my husband said. Candlelight flickered through the historic old windows as snow began to fall. We've got to go in. Being a native Texan, I have a love for snow that most northerners do not share. To me, it's truly an enchanting experience. I mean, every snowflake has its own design, and they come together to blanket the canvas of earth with gentleness. Like a covering, a robe of righteousness being draped across the land, my love for all things Christmas prompted me to make my way into the church. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. The words and melody gathered tears in the corners of my eyes. A smile crossed my face as I admired the hand-carved wood and stone throughout the building. Praise to the Savior echoed beautifully, moving every heart. The phrase, holy night, struck me, holy and set apart, consecrated to God. Despite the sadness of Henry being in a nursing home and family members being separated by many miles, there was a holiness that brought peace, belonging, and assurance of an eternal connection that would never be broken. This connection was sealed with the embrace of God as he entered the scene of humanity and laid down his life for his own creation. The perfect little Christmas display in Danabode reminded me of the beauty of salvation and our forever home. Holy. Not only was the scene holy, but the Father began to remind me of the holiness within myself. Not holiness of my own doing, but holiness of His doing. I searched for scriptures to explore this mystery. Hebrews 12:14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. 1 Peter 1.16 Because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Our Father did not give us an impossible task. He wouldn't be so cruel. Our flesh may wonder how we could possibly be holy, but our spirit knows whose we are and it is Him who makes us holy. 1 Corinthians 1.30 It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Hebrews 10.10 By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Colossians 1.22 Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Imagine the beautiful mystery of the holiness of Christ. It's not a holier-than-thou attitude or you'd better toe the line or else. 
It's an intimate invitation to step inside of the one who is pure and without blemish. We have been invited into a miraculous union that's filled with pleasure and peace inside the heart of Christmas himself, and the gift he brings is holiness, where we are free from every stain. Into the heart of Christmas himself? How can I call Christ Christmas? Well, the word is shortened from Christ's mass. The words recorded as Christmas in 1038 and Christmas in 1131. Christ is from Greek Christos, a translation of the Hebrew Messiah, Messiah, the anointed one. And it's a celebration of the Eucharist. We are invited into the body of the anointed one, sacred and holy. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. A weary world rejoices. There is a hope that breaks into our weariness. Have you ever felt this, known this? Decades of Christmases at my mama's house taught me what rejoicing looked like, even in moments of weariness. She knew the sting of betrayal, hardship, divorces, and single motherhood. A petite and fiery woman, barely over five feet tall, filled with an energy that seemed never-ending. No matter how hard the year had been, Mama always pulled together a magical Christmas Eve for her children and grandchildren, not to mention a buffet fit for a king on Christmas Day. My parents, who became parents while in their teen years, worked very hard and struggled to provide Christmas gifts for their children. They did well, but something almost heavenly would take place at Mama's house on Christmas Eve. My cousins and I could not wait for that enchanted night to arrive. Amazing food, family chatter, and a tree covered in the glow of lights, ornaments, and garland. Family members brought presents for each child and placed them under the tree. Her tiny living room seemed like a winter wonderland, overflowing with gifts. The sight was a yearly lesson in the power of pulling together to create something big and wonderful out of very little. As children, we didn't have to worry about making those Christmas moments happen. We didn't think about the work that went into each detail. We just got to show up and enjoy every wonderful aspect of the night. The feast was laid out before us and gifts were bestowed upon us. It was that simple. Not once did I think about the weeks of preparation that Mama poured into planning, shopping, cooking, wrapping gifts, creating an incredible spread, and then cleaning up afterwards, only to wake up on Christmas morning and do it all over again. It wasn't until one particular Christmas that I noticed something. After showing my new toys to my cousins, I decided I wanted a blanket to sit on. As I passed down the hallway to get a blanket from Mama's closet, I caught a glimpse of her lying in her bed, curled up in a fetal position, and she held her head in her little hands. What's wrong, I wondered. Stepping toward the side of the bed, I asked, Are you okay, Mama? She managed a smile and responded, Yes, just a little headache. She assured me that she was fine and she would be back in the living room shortly. 
Sure enough, she eventually returned to playing with the grandkids and cleaning up the kitchen with the help of our parents. Over the years, I would occasionally find her during holiday events and family gatherings having a little lie down. As I grew older, I also noticed her frequently massaging her hands. When I asked what was wrong with her hands, she would giggle and say, it's just my Arthur. I didn't quite understand that that was her name for arthritis. She also made it sound like a silly little nuisance instead of the great pain that it actually was. This was sacrifice. This was love in action despite weariness. There was a hope that Mama infused in each of us as she prepared for that glorious morn, and her love for us compelled her to move beyond weariness. And so it is with Christ who moves with compassion, pursuing people relentlessly. Even through an agonizing death, he looked at us with love and said, Father, forgive them. God and all of heaven pulled together, despite the depravity of man, to prepare us as a beautiful gift that's ours eternally. He is the hope that thrills our souls, and it is his delight to go and prepare Prepare a place for us. James 1.17 Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Romans 11.29 For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. 2 Corinthians 9.15 Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Matthew 7:11 If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him Romans 15:13 Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit the God of hope fills us with all joy and peace as we believe in him. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, we will abound in hope. Romans fifteen thirteen especially hits me as we are in the middle, well, we were in the middle of a pandemic and it's still lingering. The uncertainties abound, yet our hope will abound if we let the God of hope fill us. Fall on your knees, O oh, hear the angel voices, O oh, hear the angel voices. In the midst of so many voices in this world, there are angel voices. Have you ever heard this, known this? In a world where the news weighs us down with fear and turmoil, we can easily get lost in the chaos and lose the ability to hear the voices of the unseen. Even though we more than often ignore the angelic realm, they are very real and very present. Angels are messengers of God who are assigned to assist us throughout our lives. In the case of the birth of Jesus, there were angelic visits along the way. In Luke 1, Zacharias was visited by an angel with the delightful news that his wife would give birth to John. Mary encountered the angel Gabriel, who addressed her as highly favored, as he delivered the news that she would give birth to the Son of the Most High. 
In Luke 2, an angel appeared to the shepherds in a field to announce, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And suddenly a a multitude of angels revealed themselves for the joyous occasion. I imagine that during our Christmas celebrations, angels gathered with us for the party, for that was a most glorious time in their history. In Hebrews 13.2, we are told, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Other verses refer to angels as being innumerable, tens of thousands and thousands of thousands and myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. That's found in Psalm 68.17, Hebrews 12.22, and Revelation 5.11. Based on all of those verses, we may be encountering angels every day without even knowing it. My husband and I have had a few angel encounters that we will definitely never forget. Right, Bill? That's true. A lot. (laughs) When our son Britton was two years old, he became very ill with a high fever. The doctor had examined him, coming to the conclusion that it was a really bad virus. We were told to keep an eye on him and bring him back if he became lethargic. Later that night, our son lay on the living room rug as he burned up with a fever. His normally energetic, spunky personality was gone as he stared at the fireplace. I tried to get him to sit up, but he was too weak and he wouldn't respond to my questions. So I picked up the phone ready to call the doctor. My husband said, let's pray and call the doctor. We held our son as we spoke healing and the presence of God over him. We only prayed for about a minute when Britton suddenly sat up with jaw dropped. Britton stared intently at the wall. He had a look of excitement in his eyes. My husband said, what are you looking at? He responded, him. He pointed his finger toward the wall and said, he's really big. Instantly, Britton jumped to his feet and began laughing and playing and his fever was gone. Another time, Bill and I were visiting San Antonio, Texas. That morning, Bill felt compelled to say out loud, Hey God, would you send a couple of angels to stay with us today? And maybe would you help us be aware of them? We kind of chuckled a little bit as he prayed that prayer. He he just said it to the air, like, okay, kind of flippantly, but it was serious. (laughs) Later that morning, we decided to visit the zoo. As soon as we arrived at the gate, there was an exotic-looking man and woman who both were, they wore giant smiles on their faces. They looked at us as if they'd been waiting for our arrival. We smiled and said, hello. They nodded. And throughout the day, we continually found ourselves face-to-face with their glowing grins. When we finally began to notice the strange coincidence of being in the same place at the same time, We purposefully walked in the opposite direction to see if we could lose them. To our delight, there they were, again and again. We finally left the zoo to head downtown for our favorite restaurant on the San Antonio River Walk. In a city of over one and a half million people, I would imagine it's even more now, we knew that traffic would be thick, but on that particular day, there was a parade that made traffic even more challenging. Turn after turn, like a maze, we finally made it after walking at least a mile to get to the restaurant. Upon walking into the restaurant, there they were again. The angelic couple was sitting at the very first table by the entrance. 
They stared at the doorway as we entered, still wearing those mysterious smiles. Bill walked over to them and said, I saw you at the zoo today. The man nodded and said, yes, and we saw you. As the waiter seated us near them, we watched for a while as they chatted and smiled. They finally got up and left. The funny thing is that we did not see any evidence that they had eaten. Bill looked at me with excitement and said, I knew it. Those were angels. Psalm 103.20 says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been, been created through him and for him. Hebrews 1.14 are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? And Matthew 18.10 See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. O night divine, O night when Christ was born, O night when Christ was born, can you imagine God himself descending in the flesh? Have you caught this? Comprehended this? The perfect Most High, full of limitless power and grace, descended into the canvas of his poetry, his art. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. The word workmanship comes from the Greek word poema, which means poem or artwork. You are the poetry and the art of God. The master creator humbled himself by diving into the life of mankind. The master storyteller desired to enter our story. How profound. His lowly entrance was surely a night divine. When an artist expresses himself or herself, they use many mediums to pour themselves into something tangible that can be seen and heard. God did the same thing. He poured himself into flesh, something tangible for us to see and hear. But sadly, the most religious could not even recognize God when he stood right in front of them. God in the flesh a great mystery that man cannot grasp. How beautiful is the art of God. The Divine One places Himself inside of you. Paul stated it clearly in 1 Corinthians 6.19 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? This reminds me of the moment that I witnessed a miracle in a friend's body. She had suffered much brokenness in her life that drove her to cutting herself. Down the road, she experienced mental and emotional healing that helped her overcome self-hatred and self-harming. One day, we attended a prayer event in a stadium. The man on the platform was praying over people who had been deeply wounded, and during his prayer, he actually said, God is going to erase physical scars from your body. 
My friend and I thought that was interesting. As the man prayed, my friend received that healing over the large scar on her arm that had been left behind from cutting. She knew it was possible, yet to her surprise, the scar completely vanished. Her arm was like new. It was like baby skin. And I'll never forget that moment, being with her when that scar disappeared. Another time, while my husband was praying over a group of people for emotional healing, he was prompted to pray for scars to be erased. Within a few seconds, people began to gasp as they watched their friend's scars disappear. One of the young ladies had also self-harmed, but God erased the damage and left her tattoo behind. The tattoo read, Love. I thought that was really profound. Isn't that like God to never erase love? Another woman had a very thick scar around her abdomen from a surgery related to Crohn's disease. She and her friends ran into the bathroom to check it out, and sure enough, her abdomen was like new. Tears of joy flowed throughout the night. This Christmas, as we hang sparkling lights, tinsel, and decorations, let us consider the way that our loving Father wraps us in His light, His glory, and His everlasting love. Perhaps you don't feel like celebrating Christmas. After all, it has been a difficult year with all kinds of loss. But I pray that your heart be overcome with a divine joy that causes you to feel like creating beauty where there is brokenness. There is something majestic, in my opinion, about our desire to celebrate that is part of our DNA. The enemy wants to steal that away from us, but childlike wonder and innocence are some of the most powerful weapons that we have against the powers of darkness. And I'll say that again. Childlike wonder and innocence are some of the most powerful weapons we have against the powers of darkness. Do you remember what it was like to be innocent? Do you remember the moment of losing that innocence? God wants to restore your innocence and he's so faithful to do so. Christmas is the perfect time to let yourself get lost in the simplicity of the sparkly decorations, the smells of cinnamon, the taste of chocolate, the sounds of joyful music, the ringing of bells. All of it can be redeemed. Lean into the voices of angels and the purity of childlike wonder. God shows himself in little ones. So watch, listen, and see. Matthew 21, 15 through 16 says, But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes? You have prepared praise for yourself. Psalm 8-2 says, From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. According to Ellicott's commentary on Psalm 8-2, in a child's simple and innocent wonder lies the truest worship, that God accomplishes the great things and reveals his glory by means of the weakest instruments. A thought which was seized upon by our Lord to condemn the want of spirituality in the scribes and Pharisees. But how can you be innocent as a child with the scars that you bear? Does it seem impossible? 
We know that with God, all things are possible. Those are his words. Consider the scars of Jesus. He did not carry them with shame. In fact, two times within John 20, 19 through 31, Jesus showed his scars to his disciples. They rejoiced. Sorrow melted away. Even in Revelation, Jesus is acknowledged as the lamb who was slain. Biblical scholars will tell you that Jesus was beaten beyond recognition, beyond human recognition. And he was devoured by his angry creation. Every part of his body knew pain, yet when he resurrected, he only kept the scars in his hands and his side, just enough scars to prove to his disciples that it was him who conquered death on that cross. So don't be ashamed of your scars. Let God erase what he will, but joyfully wear the ones that remain as a testimony of what you've overcome through Christ in you. I have a friend that often says, wear your scars like stardust. I love that. John 20, 20. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jeremiah 30, 17 says, For I will restore to you health, and I will heal you of all your wounds, declares the Lord. And we pray that healing comes to every single one of you this Christmas season. You can write to us here at Faith Mountain Ministries, Box 595, Marshall, Minnesota, 56258. Visit VanderbushMinistries.com to support the broadcast. And such a huge thank you to my beautiful bride, Tracy, for reading uh, from your heart today and sharing your thoughts with all of our listeners. This is Bill Vanderbush from Tracy and I and all of us here at Faith Mountain Ministries. Until next time, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.